Yep. I'll let you start. Go for it. And we'll push there. All right. Welcome to the Jeremy White Podcast in collaboration with Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon and Primary Wave. We're very stoked to be talking to two iconic members of a legendary group that you know and love. Okay. These guys are awesome. And you can join Air Supply on Sunday, February 14th for Love Letters, their first ever global stream performed live at the Jacksonville Theater. The special Valentine's Day show is going to feature all their hits, four airings in Sydney, London, New York, Los Angeles. You get tickets and information at airsupplymusic.com. Welcome to the show, Russell and Graham yes. from Air Supply. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it very yeah. much. Yeah. This is very exciting. So talk about this really great global stream you guys happening on February 14th for Valentine's Day. I mean, you know, you're going to be you're going to be playing all the hits. It was recorded live in Jacksonville. You're just going to it's it's just a set full of hits, right? All getting romantic for Valentine's. Oh, yeah, Day. I mean, uh, our show is, you know, we've been very fortunate in our career. We, we've had a lot of hit records. So our show is pretty much full of them, you know, which is great. I mean, we're going to we're going to play two brand new songs, but it's nice for us. I mean, Valentine's is kind of our territory, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. It has been for decades. So we thought we'd do a stream uh, for Valentine's and we're going to we read uh, love letters out, you know, that people send in. So it's quite uh, interesting when when you read how people got together. This very varied and very, very unusual the way people get together around the world. Yeah, and especially with everything going on, it's like everything's virtual now. So might as well get a candlelit dinner in the apartment and slap on air supply, you know? <laughs> get your girlfriend on a Zoom. Yeah, write a love letter. So so with the love letters, people are going to write in love letters, and you'll it's almost like a like a dedication show. Uh, yes, it is, actually. That's very good. Casey Kasem. <laughs> Long-distance dedication. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, and as Graham said, the, the letters are very touching. And, uh, you know, there's, in fact, one of the letters that we – we read the other day had a, some woman fell in love with a guy over some uh, slugs, you know, like slimy slugs. Yeah. Oh, it was a movie, yeah. Oh, it was a movie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, yeah, it's it's just funny, you know. I can imagine yeah. what kind of tails you guys are getting in in that inbox. Yeah. And and it, 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 it goes to, to slimy slugs to romantic dinners and uh, you know people proposing uh, with one of our songs to their. Uh, future wife it's, it's great oh that's awesome uh, let me just quickly ask you about your sound because you know you've been described as soft rock and of course you have the valentine's day market sort of cornered was that always your intention to to do these love things and just go down that road or yeah, did you just find success and go hey you know if it ain't broke let's just go you know well we've never been if it ain't broke don't fix it we want to move along every year and every right. recording that we do um and first of all, we're not a soft rock band for those who haven't seen us. It's a rock and roll show. Great. Um, yeah, Graham, put him in his place right off the bat. Come on now. It's a rock and roll band. <laughs> I do that to everybody. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Graham writes what's in his heart and his head. Mm-hmm. So never, I'm speaking for him, even though he's here. Um, he writes what he writes. and What he writes is what he feels. So uh, we've never said, oh, let's do a ballad. We're, we're hits now. Let's keep doing ballads. Isn't that right, Graham? That is true, Russell. And he's here too. <laughs> so that's interesting so you know you just continue you just make music and art that you like and that's it that's right. yeah exactly that that's a great way to describe it we create music that we like you know um, and we never there was no design to be uh, to to write songs like this it just happened and it's you know i started writing songs when i was 12 years old so and our first hit record was in 76 so i had a long time to 
to sort it all out, you know, to before. Your craft. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been writing songs for over 60 years, so I've kind of figured it out a little bit now, you know. Right. Well, let me ask you then about that, because in 1985, you, you worked with Bob Ezrin and uh, Peter Collins. And of course, yeah. Bob is known for doing The Wall and, and Kiss and Alice Cooper. And Peter Collins is known for doing Queensryche and, and Alice Cooper. To talk to me about working with those guys, because they, they do bring out more of the rock. They are known for making more of the, the rock records. What was that experience like? And I'm a Kiss fan, so, so I, I need to know what it was like working with Bob. Uh, well, I mean, he's an iconic. They both are iconic producers, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. it, was, it was nice working with him. I mean, we've worked with several really cool producers. But, mm -hmm. but in the end, we, we like to do what we want to do, you know. And uh, we never butt heads with anybody, but we kind of, we'll always say to, to any producer, that this is how, this is the sound that we want, you know. And if, mm -hmm. if they can't deliver what we want or make it even better, then there's a problem. But with those two, it was great working with them. And, uh, but I, you know, I don't think Bob brought anything in particular that, that wasn't there anyway, you know. Do you, do right. you remember Bob Ezra? Um, you know? Slightly, I remember Peter Collins. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it Peter was is great. great. You know, it's always well. Peter Collins was was great. In fact, with with Peter, uh, we went to London to record for like two months, and he brought this guy in that was. It was all uh, everything was pre-programmed, and he brought this guy in with his wall of synthesizers. And he wanted to do the, everything, the keyboards, the drums, the strings, the guitar. Every, and we had a little bit of a problem with that. You know, we didn't want it to be sound, sound like it was in a box. Right. You uh, didn't want it to sound like computerized. Yeah. We're not a computer band. You know, we're a live band. And that wasn't a problem, by the way. And in fact, we did Power of Love with him, right. which, uh, which was incredible. And, you know, we, we get on both with we get on great with both those guys. But in the end, we really we have a, a, a clear definition of what our sound should be, you know, and uh, hopefully different people can help us bring that, make it even better. Yeah. So that's what that's what it's all about for us. But, do you think that was a product of the time, though, because 1985 and Jeremy will will, will appreciate this. It's all about the Lynn drums. It's all about the synthesizers. It's all about making that slick sort of MTV kind of sound. Yeah, well, I mean, look, you know, I'm wearing a Def Leppard shirt, so you look at what Mott Lang was doing with the Def Leppard guys at the time, and you're right, yeah. But you know, look what he did with Shania Twain too. Yes, uh, and what, I think that's one of the reasons, as Graham said before, we want to we follow our own drummer. We probably could have had a lot more success if we'd done Lynn drums and everything was computerized. But we, we, that's not us, so we're not going to do mm. it. Right, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna conform to the social norms of the time just for the sake of making money. It really is art for you. Yeah, had we done that years and years ago, because everybody and their dog said to us, oh, you've had some a big hits with ballads. Why don't you do this or why don't you do that? And we said, well, we don't make any plans to do anything in particular. We just do it. It's like you said earlier, Jeremy. We we just write and record songs and, you know, we never know what they're going to be like. But we, we pretty much know after all this time that they're going to be romantic. It's going to be romantic and it's going to be very powerful. Right. Uh, for instance, I mean, All Out of Love is a is a romantic, it's a ballad, but it's a it's an epic, powerful song. So yeah. most of our songs are like that. And when people come and see us for the first time, 
they realize, they go, oh, whoa, I had no idea. They think it's going to be something a lot less than what it is. But it's loud and it's really powerful. Wow. And it hits you right here and it knocks you out. And uh, not in a blasting way, but more in an emotional way. And it has an effect on you. Um, I mean, in Jacksonville, the other the other night, there were a lot of people. I could see them in the uh, guys, like, you know. And at first during the show, and this is kind of common, people go, oh, okay, you know, impress me. And then during the show, and this happens every time we play, they, they go, oh, okay. And then by the end of the show, they're standing there and their jaw is on the floor and they're going, whoa. <laughs> and, and, the, and the guy looks at me and he goes, and I go, yeah. <laughs> that was heavy, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we never claim to be brilliant at anything, but with what we do, we've become to be really good at it and, and that we've created this sound that we have uh, and uh, and that's what we love to do. You know, if somebody came now and said, hey, you know, if you do this, you'll be, you know, you'll be mega, mega stars. And we would go, uh, I don't know about that. You know, we have that- a, we're very lucky. We have a great life and we like to do that. You know, I must say, too, that um, going back to why don't you do this and you'll be successful. We've had great success with what we do and we've had failures because we didn't do what somebody else told us to do. Right. But you've got to, you've got to stick to your guns and what's in your heart. Well, it's interesting because Mitch and I were talking about, you know, all out of love and, you know, the right. story about how Clive Davis wanted you guys to change the second, you know, line in that first yeah. portion yeah. of the song, you know, talk about that. You know, I mean, did you guys kind of have some pushback and say, no, well, this is our song. Why, why are we going to change this just yeah. for a specific market or. Yeah, we did have pushback because the song had already been a big hit. It was number one in Australia two years before that. So Clive came to me and he said, you know, as the, as the writer of the song, he said, you know, in, in America, you need to change this line. And, and I thought about it and I said, well, Clive, it's already been a big hit. But he said, yeah, it's been a big hit in Australia, but you're talking about America and the rest of the world. And he said, you need to change it. He said, you can leave it the way you want, if, the way it is, or, and, and it'll, it'll probably be a, a, a hit. But he said, if you change that one line, he said, it'll be a monster hit uh, and it'll probably be the biggest song of your career. And uh, we both thought about it, didn't we? Yeah. And the, the guy from the publishing company came to me off the record and his name was Billy Michelle. He's no longer with us, but he was a famous person with Clive. And he said, if I, he said, if I have a, a say in it, he said, change the line. And I took his advice and I changed it. And at first I thought, ah, you know. I'm giving in. But then I thought, you know, you've got to give and take. And I was listening to Billy and I was listening to Clive Davis, who is who he was and still is a legend. And I thought, I'm going to go with his advice, you know, and I did. And he was right. Uh, And so what Russell just said is true. We may have been even bigger had we listened to more people, but (laughs) we don't listen to a lot of people, you know, but we we listened to Clive and he was right. And it changed (laughs) our whole fortunes, you know. Well, I guess you have somebody like Clive Davis telling you, maybe you should do this. Well, I guess maybe I'll take your advice. Yeah, Clive, Clive, just got on that song, All Out of Love. I don't know. I don't know if you're aware, but uh, a Filipino singer actor named Ignigio Pascual yeah. <laughs> has, has covered the song and is releasing it on February 5th. Uh, and what I, what I find remarkable is two things. First of all, you seem to have this incredibly impassioned nation, Philippines, for air supply and also 
he was born in 1997. He's a young kid and he's covering this song. It just, yeah. it's a testament to how your music touches people of every age and every generation. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, we actually uh, found out about that a few days ago. Mm -hmm. um, we got online with him to his surprise in an interview in, from the Philippines. Uh -huh. and, oh. and he, was, he was really excited and he yeah. didn't know we were coming on. But I heard the track. Have you, did you hear yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And it's a great track. And funnily enough, the production sounds like it's all in a box. However, <laughs> it's what you just said. Uh, it's very current and it's hip. And the guy's only 23 years old. Right. And, and it's really nice for us to hear one of our songs that is translated into the, a, new, a new generation. You know, I mean, that, that song was released in 1980 for crying out loud yeah. it's 40 years old and 41. here we are and the guy's just released it and it'll probably be a big hit and i said to him i said you know you might have a big hit on your hands here because his generation uh, may not know who we are you know yeah it, it, it's bizarre well, <laughs> well, listen it's, it's jeremy's song. generation he's about your age right i mean you're like yeah, three well, years I'm older than him. right so you um, know now, no. we're older than both of you put together. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> we, 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 we have socks older than you guys. Oh, God. Frankly, well, maybe. But um, just one last one last question on the production side. Uh, from Mumbo Jumbo and a few albums before that, uh, Graham, you took over and started producing. Did you sort of just get to the point where you just said, you know what? We know what we want. We know what air supply is. We don't need to spend the cash on, on Mutt or Bob or Pete. We know. Right. We're just going to well, do it ourselves. Yeah, I remember that time, you know, and I, I really don't relish producing albums. And in fact, I don't think I'll do any more simply because I've always had this ideology with my career, you know, uh, and I think everybody should do what they're really good at and let other people do what they're really good at. Now, I'm, I'm not a good record producer. And I, I think I took over and I was very reluctant to do it because there was nobody on the horizon that either A, wanted to work with us, or B, I thought would bring really? anything that I couldn't bring. Uh, but, you know, these days, uh, we just kind of make, we just record tracks all the time. And, you know, I'll, I've always got songs cooking and I'll say to Russell, I'm gonna record here in Florida or in Salt Lake or in Los Angeles or New York, and I'll, I'll go in and record some songs. So, uh, you know, the, the producer end of it is is something I don't really enjoy that much, to be quite honest. You know, I'm mm -hmm. I'm a really good songwriter and, uh, you know, I can write a song on a dime in 15 minutes. But production is not my expertise. Uh, right. So if there's anybody out there that does want to work with us, we're all ears, you know. But when it comes well, yeah. to, you know, producing, is, when you say you don't like enjoy the production side of it, is it is it the task of, okay, we need to create a drum sound or a guitar tone or keys or, or, or arranging yeah. the songs? and Yeah, it, it really is for me. Uh, like, for instance, at home at my studio, I mean, I have all the gear and everything, but I don't use it. And when I'm writing a song, it's, it's usually almost, in fact, almost always, either piano or guitar, and I record it, you won't believe this, but I'll record the song, because I write very quickly. I re I'll record a song from nothing to finish, lyrics and everything, in 30 minutes, and I'll record it on my phone, and I often send tracks to Russell yeah. on my phone, and it sounds crappy, and 
and distorted and everything. But for me, it's it's cool because I can hear the song in its entirety and then I can start to tweak it and make it even better. But in the studio for me, it's too laborious and too takes too long. You have to have incredible patience. And my hat goes off to those producers that do, that sit there. You know, I, I used to be a good friend of Mick Fleetwood. And I wow. know he told me once that he spent six weeks on a snare sound in the studio. I met the guy from uh, Supertramp, Roger Hutchinson. Oh, Roger, yeah. Wow. And I asked him what he was doing, and he said, a solo album. And he was working on drum sounds for two years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, sure. It yeah. has to be more organic. I, 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 I like the old, you know, the old days of whatever, Beatles, Black Sabbath. Or what, you, you go into a studio for like a week, and then you have an album. Right. Yeah, our, our first album we recorded and mixed in a week, and it, it went. And it's great. One in, yeah, in Australia, that's a long yeah. time ago, and we we really didn't know what we were doing then. But we had a great producer, by the way. But yeah. but you're right. When you go back and you look at the Beatles, for instance, uh, they recorded their that first album, "Please Please Me," and I think in a day, in an afternoon. And when you, as as everybody, every Beatles fan knows, when you when you hear a, a John singing Twist and Shout, he just sang it four times. And George Martin said, and I know that wasn't on Please Please Me Too, he said, you've got to do it one more time. And his voice was just going, and you can hear it in the track. But mm -hmm. it's so cool. And, and that's what we like to do is, uh, is work kind of quickly and, and get that, that real adrenaline of, of a song or a performance, get it. You know, like, for instance, Russell, when <laughs> Russell sang Making Love Out Nothing At All, and he'll tell you because he's here. Uh, you tell, I mean, he sang it one take, and Jim Jim Steinman said, "Okay, uh, what do we do now?" And I said, "We go home." <laughs> I swear to God, no, we go to the bar. <laughs> yeah. Go to the pub. That's it. But you got to catch you got to catch that that vibe. You've got to catch that energy, yeah. that lightning in a bottle. And and when you, I mean, yeah. I love what Mutt Lang does, but sometimes if you beat a dead horse, it it, it you know it, it's like it just capture it yeah out. but it also i also think though you know that adds character and it adds you know some spontaneity and some originality to the track as well and it adds some organicness to it. if your voice is starting to go in a track or in a take yeah. you know all of a sudden that adds a different character to it it's gritty completely yeah. different yeah. it does absolutely uh, but you know for us because we've been around for a long time we we do think that way and still do but at the same time i must say there are some incredible producers these days that do it a different way. And everybody likes to work in, with a different ethic. And I, I know a lot of producers that I know myself, that they take a lot of time and, they, and they're not quite sure and they, they do a mix. When we were recording an album, I know 20 years ago, it was recording Someone, the song called Someone, which is a beautiful track. Mm -hmm. And the engineer that we were using, he, he must have mixed it 30 times. And I was in the studio and I started to fall asleep. And in the end, I said, I got to go and sleep. And it was four in the morning. He said, oh, I think I got the mix. So he wakes me up and I'm listening. And my, of course, my ears are gone. And I'm going, you know what? I can't tell if it's good or bad. So I went back to sleep for another four hours. And then he calls me again and says, OK, I've really got it now. So it's that <laughs> thing that, that doesn't inspire us because we're, yeah. we're, we're cut from a different cloth, you know. Well, you know, look at Michael Jackson and his song, Billie Jean. He and the mixer, they did, I think it was 72 mixes of the song. 
And Quincy Jones came in. He's like, what are you, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, you've been here for, you know, like two days. Like, oh, we, we got, we think we got the mix now. So they played in the mix. And he's like, okay, well, let me hear mix two. Played a mix two. And Quincy was like, yeah, that one. Well, tell them about David Foster. And- yeah, we were recording with David Foster. Oh, in great Mexico, Canadian. And um, he was just working with uh, Whitney Houston. Mm. When we had a break, he said, I want to play you something. And he played us, uh, I Will Always Love You. Oh, wow. And uh, it was a rock. He said, it's a rough vocal. We're going to do it again. We're going to put strings, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff. And, he, and then next session we had, he came back and he said, I played that to Clive. And he said, this is what's going out. No other vocal, no strings. It's going to go out the way it is. Wow. So, and David didn't like that. And he yeah. had an argument right there with Clive. And we were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Clive says, no, this is, this is it. And Dave says, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Clive said, you can do whatever you like, but, but this is going out. <laughs> this is how it's going. And he was Clive, right because Clive, the bodyguard was Clive, huge. Clive, Clive always knew. He always knew. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's a great documentary on him on, I think, on Netflix or uh, Amazon Prime or one of those things. And they talk yeah, about yeah. his career and everything. Oh, he, just a legend, the guy. So many stories, you know. And, yeah. Well, How do you argue with him? I mean, when Clive says something, you just go, right, gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't argue with Clive. You learn oh. to not argue with him pretty quick. Do you right. think there's still people like that in the music industry? Like not not up to like Clive's kind of caliber, but do you, do you think artists of today could use somebody like Clive Davis? I I really think they could, right? Because the you know with all these shows, talent shows, American Idol and The Voice and everything, I think people have the false presumption that they can become famous overnight, but it's just not. It's just not a true phrase. And just with this, you come famous on the phone. Right, yeah, yeah. And people, people in my opinion, people have the wrong aspirations. They want to become famous before they become a great musician or become really good at their their craft. Mm. Uh, And for me, that's not the right work ethic, you know. But, you know, we're we're old-fashioned guys now, so maybe Mm -hmm. we're wrong. Well, in the history of the whole, that kind of show, the only two people that I can remember that is successful at Kelly Clarkson and Adam Lambert. Yeah. I've not seen, anybody, not seen anybody else for years that won those shows show up anywhere. So no. I think Clay Aiken was a mayor at one point or something. Uh, mayor, uh, yeah. but, but I, I'm forgetting the, the, the blonde girl who won, who, who no, became Carrie a country. Underwood. Carrie Underwood. Underwood. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you can't forget I'm Carrie sorry. Underwood. She she's I'm, I'm a rock guy, but I hear her sing and I go, yeah. Yep, she's she's You're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, take, take the wheel, Jesus. Yeah, she's songs, good. One of the songs she sang uh, was making love out of nothing at all, incidentally. Yep. Right. Well, hey, sure. you, if you want to win a competition, you got to sing some of the world's greatest songs. And yeah, listen, that's true. That you is. you have got some of the world's greatest songs. The yeah. fact that you've Very been here, there. I mean, what you started in 75, 76. I mean, yeah, it goes to show, you know. There we go. For itself. We still able to work. We still pay the bills, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> and we'll and we'll pay them with the live stream. Yeah, that's yes. right. Air Supply Sunday, Valentine's Day, February fourteenth. Love Letters, their first ever global stream. Tickets and information available at airsupplymusic.com. Also check them out on all their socials and all the platforms. And go buy it. Four airings at eight o'clock Sydney time, London time, New York time, and Los Angeles time. So wherever you are in the world, it's a global stream event. And you can be there, get your ticket. It's going to be great. So you you, you guys have said it all. This was awesome. Thanks, man. 
And by the way, we have codes to give away. So we got three lucky winners, possibly. We don't even have them. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right, guys. Thank Uh, you, gentlemen. Thanks. Great pleasure. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Great interview. Thank you for the time. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, don't leave. Don't leave just yet. Um, We're we're gonna get you guys to record a really quick promo, if that's okay. By all means. Yeah. So just say, um, hey everybody, it's Air Supply. Join us on Valentine's Day, and Jeremy and Mitch have some codes for you to win. So make sure you follow and subscribe. Okay. Okay. Going to do it. We should do it together. All right. I'll start. Okay. I'll probably screw it up. No. Okay. That's all right. We're not going to run out of tape. It's digital. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Hi, everyone. I am Graham Russell. And I'm Russell Hitchcock. Of course, we're Air Supply. See us on Valentine's Day, February 14th, with Jeremy and Mitch. It's a wonderful show. You're going to love the, the streaming. Also, they have some very special codes. Three lucky winners get to see it for free. Be there or be square. Yes. <laughs> that perfect. was awesome. That was perfect, guys. Oh, all right. Thank you. Thank again, you so guys. much. Thank you. Bon après-midi. Bon, have a good afternoon. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, it was All great right. to meet you guys. We'll talk soon. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, man. See you later.